If you're new to Outlook, we are doing a, a six-week journey at the moment called Gifted. Why don't you tell the person next to you, you are gifted. You are, you are gifted. You are gifted. And that gift is a gift from God who has put stuff inside of you to do His stuff well. Okay, now we've been studying a, a portion of Scripture where it describes seven amazing grace gifts. These gifts are God's gift to you, and actually even more than to you, they threw you to be a blessing to the people around you. For some it's prophecy, or serving, or leadership, or generosity, or mercy. And our desire over these six weeks is for you to identify the grace that God has given you so that you can use it well. And I'm convinced that clarity brings confidence. The more clear you are. So if I came to you now and I said, can you tell me your top two spiritual gifts? You should be able to say, no problem. Teaching, leadership. What, what are they for you? Because if it's for leadership, don't you put up your hand quick. Don't be shy. If, if leadership is your gift, one, two, or three, pop your hand up. Come on. It's, there we go. There we go. Second question. Have you registered for GLS? <laughs> Not funny. Do it. <laughs> Because we want you to grow that gift. Once you've identified it, now develop it to its maximum potential for the glory of God. So, just a quick one. If you haven't yet got a manual, there's a free little manual that comes uh, with this. It's got a daily devotion. It's got some small group material in it. And we've got about 50 copies left free of charge at the info desk afterwards. You can pick up your copy. So please get one of those. If you still do want to join a small group, we had people come and join. We run a Wednesday group. They joined us on Wednesday because there's a couple of short videos that go with this to help you go deeper. And then I might as well just say it straight because I've said it before. You need guinea pigs to practice your gifts on. Let's just be real. So you need people to practice prophesying over serving, loving, and all of these things. And a small group is the perfect environment for you to learn to, to develop those gifts with uh, people around you. So last week we looked at the gift of prophecy. Eagerly desire the gift of prophecy. Basically what that means is if prophecy is your spiritual gift, you become Jesus' ears and mouth. Because prophecy is both. You've got to be able to hear the voice of the Lord and you're going to speak it out. So that's what it means. Because remember, we the body of Christ, we hands, feet, all of that. So if prophecy is a spiritual gift that you have, you've got to be the ears listening to what God is saying and your tongue to speak it out. And uh, once again, if, that, if prophecy is one of your number one, two, three gifts at the end of the service, I'm going to ask you to come and join me here. And if you need to be prayed for, ministered to, well, we want those people with the gift of prophecy to keep developing that gift in their lives. You don't have to be a leader. We just want you to come and join one of the groups, the leaders in the group, and they're going to stand with you, prophesy together. Today, we're going to face two of them. So I'm going to preach double speed. You've got to listen twice as fast because we're covering two gifts today. The gift of serving and the gift of mercy. Serving is basic. It's just you the hands of Jesus. There's a lot of stuff that has to happen. And this is an amazing gift. And we're going to see it in a moment. Serving is becoming the hands of Jesus. Mercy is really expressing the heart of Jesus. And I'm going to take you there in a moment. So let's dive right in. Serving means being the hands of Jesus. Now, Luke chapter 10, verses 38 to 40 is a beautiful example. It says, as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Well, we often look at that story and think, oh, Martha, you were distracted. The reality is, 
of these two sisters, Martha and Mary, which one had the serving gift? Which one had the prophecy gift? <laughs> it's kind of obvious, isn't it? But here's the beautiful thing. If it wasn't for Martha's serving gift, none of this would have happened. You see, it says Martha was the one who opened her home for Jesus to come for a meal so that he could minister to people. Now, that's the beauty of the serving gift. A serving gift uses your abilities and your resources to create an environment for Jesus to be able to minister to others. That's what makes this such a precious gift. Mary was there sitting, listening to Jesus. That's what prophets do. They just want to wait on Jesus all the time. But those with a serving gift, it's like, no, come on, we've got to do stuff practical. And I know there's many of us here in the church where that is your gifting. The serving gift makes room for others to experience Jesus. They all got to eat at the table with the Lord because someone cared enough to make them food. I'm here today. And I've been a believer. I gave my life to Jesus. When I was 17 years old, I was at high school. I thought I was a Christian, so I had a fight with someone once. I actually tried to punch him because he was trying to tell me I'm not a real Christian. So I was going to try and convince him I was by punching him. In hindsight, it doesn't really make a lot of sense. But that's where I was at. I grew up in a Christian home, so surely I'm, I'm, I must be a Christian. And then one day, someone with a serving gift led me to the Lord. You see, what they did is there was this little traveling team that were preaching the gospel, going around to schools and to, uh, and to churches. And, and so this guy opened up his home, got his mom, mom, we're going to be hosting them, opened up their home for this team to come and stay a few days in Howick. Then what they did is they baked their cakes, they put out their tea, they, all of that, they create an environment, they got a list, those were the days when you wrote out invitations, no WhatsApp invitations, you wrote them out. And he went about handing out invitations by name to people. And one landed in my hand. And it was a Thursday evening and it's Howick, so there's not exactly much to do. So I went along for the free cake. But because of that serving gift, I got to hear the gospel, gave my life to Jesus, and my life was transformed. It was a serving gift that created the environment for others to experience Jesus. That's why for me, this is a critical gift and it's so powerful. Serving is huge in Jesus' love. The Jews were expecting this king to come riding in like David. And Jesus came as this humble servant to serve them and bring in his kingdom. Matthew chapter 20, verses 26 to 28. Jesus said, not so with you, as he spoke to his disciples. He said, instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. No, that's why this gift is so powerful, because in the kingdom of God, the root of greatness is a servant heart. And everyone in the kingdom of God who counts is because it's rooted on a real desire to serve others, not to self-serve, but to serve others. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave, just as the Son of Man, Jesus, did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Once again, Jesus modeled this incredible gift. If anyone deserved to be served, it was Jesus. But he said, no, no, I came to serve. For some reason, people call a church meeting on a Sunday a service. I'm going off to the church service. We've got an 8 a.m. church service and a 9.30. So my question to you is, when you come to a church service, do you come to be served or to serve? Because that's the challenge I want to throw out to all of us to catch the heart of this. Jesus didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give his life 
as a ransom for many. A couple of quick notes. Firstly, serving leads to promotion in the kingdom of God. That's it. Because a servant heart is the opposite of a self-promoting heart. Now the Bible tells us very clearly, it's almost, it's almost in the kingdom of God, there's a current, like a rip current. And it says, God gives grace to the humble, but he opposes the proud. So you get to choose. I don't know if you've ever tried to, to swim against a, a current or a, a, at the beach or something like that. You, you're never going to win. And you see the surfers, they've learned it. They know where the rip currents are. So they get on their surfboards and they just jump into that current. It takes them out to backline and then it saves them having to swim. And sometimes swimmers, if, they, if they're not used to the sea, they get trapped because they don't realize and they're trying to fight a rip current. And it's like, don't do it. You're never going to win against that rip current. Go with it and then swim around. In the same way, it's like there's a rip current in the kingdom of God. God gives grace to the humble, but he resists the proud. So the reality is you can spend your whole life thinking you're fighting Satan. You're not. You're fighting God and he's fighting the pride in your life. So the Bible says humble yourself. And serving is the posture of humility because serving is not about me. It's about others. It's about serving their needs and not self-serving. So serving leads to promotion in the kingdom of God. Secondly, there is repentance required to switch from a being served to a serving mentality. And I wonder if you've made that. You see, what I mean by this is we're we born with a default switch in our heart. We've got the sinful nature inside of us. We're not born as little angels. No, no, we're born as sinners. We've got a sin nature and the default switch in our heart is I would rather be served than serve. That's just how we wired. Because our thinking is, surely it makes sense that it must be more fulfilling to have someone serving you than you actually serving someone. But in the kingdom of God, it's the exact opposite. But here's the thing. Your flesh, your natural sinful desires lie to you. They will tell you, no, 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 no. I want someone else serving me. That's the kind of life I want. And then eventually you realize that kind of life is empty and unfulfilling. And when you realize in the kingdom of God, no, no, joy comes from serving others. Just as Jesus came to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. But we've got to make a decision of repentance. And what happens as a young believer is you'll realize you can grow to a certain level of maturity by others serving you. You come in here and someone's got a coffee for you and they welcome you at the door and someone else preaches and someone sings for you and someone this and someone does this and, and eventually it's like yay and you grow to this level and then you're going to stagnate until you flick that switch and says, no, no, I want to start serving. I want to get in the game. I want my life to count to serve others. And then you realize something, my flesh has been lying to me. Actually, I've discovered the freedom and joy. Jesus said, if you want to find your life, then lose it. Give your life away to loving and serving others. Third little quick point then, is serving means giving of your life for the benefit of others. Just as the Son of Man came, not to be served, but to serve and to give His life. That's what serving means, giving your life away to others. And Someone once said, you spell love inconvenience. That's what it means. True love, true love. Not that kind of chemistry when you're a teenager and it's like, oh, no, no, that's not real love. That's infatuation. Love is doing things even when it's inconvenient because you're more concerned about someone else than you are yourself. And it's always inconvenient to serve. There's never a good time. But those with a serving gift, it's beautiful. We should all be serving but those with a serving gift have a special grace, willingly being obedient for the goodness of the Lord. And I have to say, 
in this church, I get amazed time and time again at how beautiful this gift looks. We, uh, we had a moment, or two moments I'll tell you about, a couple of uh, months ago, actually Christmas Eve, that's right. Christmas Eve, now Christmas Day is normally our biggest service of the year. Christmas Eve, we have this huge downpour, thunderstorm, and uh, the water kind of, we were still constructing, we hadn't finished putting all the stormwater systems, perfect environment comes together, and I get this phone call at 10 o'clock at night, hey Brent, the church is flooded. And literally where you are right now, if you were there, you would need your baggies and you'd need armbands or something if you don't swim. Because there was like three, four centimeters of water here. This was still the slab. This was 10 centimeters underwater. Coffee shop was three centimeters underwater. There was just everything was just full of water. And it's now midnight and I look around and there's, there's 20 to 30 people sopping wet in the middle of the night, smiling broadly squeegeeing water out of this hall through the coffee shop out there and seeming to have a great fun doing it you think like that's not normal it's not normal i've developed a dust allergy it it doesn't make me sneeze or anything it makes me mad i'm sick of dust i'm sick of dust and when this wall came down that was right here sunday morning would arrive and there's snow no it's not snow it's dust everywhere And yet it's six o'clock on a Sunday morning. That's the day you're supposed to sleep in. That's the only day you have off. That's the only day you're supposed to be able to rest and recuperate. And yet here's 20 to 30 people at six o'clock in the morning with vacuum cleaners vacuuming this floor. Even this morning, because of these guys making a mess because of the stage. There they were here again this morning, early, wiping down these chairs. It's a beautiful, beautiful gift. And I want to thank all of you for that incredible gift. And I want to encourage you. If you love serving, it just actually, your greatest joy comes when you're serving others. We would love you to be involved. I mean, our dream is to get everyone in the church involved somewhere. But we've got serving teams from welcoming at the door to music teams, to kids ministry teams, to counting teams, to parking teams, to coffee teams, to usher teams. They're all there. And actually, we want you to be there as well. We want you to discover the truth of the fact that it really is more blessed to give, to serve, than to be served. We've got serving teams. We've got outreach trips. I mean, people who go in, and when they've got the finances and the ability to go on beautiful timeshare holidays, and yet they pitch their tent in the pouring rain in someone's back garden, and you think, what are you, why are you you're doing it? Because of the grace of God to go and serve others. And they always come back smiling and saying, my life has been changed. Serving teams, outreach teams, decor teams, cooking teams for open doors. While some of us go home and cook our beautiful Sunday lunch, there's a team of people in this church who are cooking every week for the homeless folk on the streets to be able to hand out meals. I love it. That's the beauty of this gift of serving. The best way to learn to walk into your spiritual gifts is to start by volunteering to serve. Let me jump uh, to the next one. How many of you put uh, or discovered that mercy is your number one, two, or three spiritual gifts? There's some hands there. Come on, this is an amazing gift. Brilliant. Alrighty, so this is specifically for you, but actually for all of us at the same time. Mercy is a spiritual gift of now you becoming the heart of Jesus. And I want to show you just how powerful this gift is. In, in Mark chapter 1 and verses 40 and 42, it says, A man with leprosy came and knelt in front of Jesus, begging to be healed. If you are willing, you can heal me and make me clean, he said. Verse 41. Is it up on the screen? I love this. Look at those three words. 
moved with compassion. I love it. Moved with compassion. Well, ask me, what does a mercy gift look like? It looks like this. People who are moved by compassion. There's a whole bunch of us that are sympathetic. Oh, that's terrible. So sorry, I'll pray for you. Hmm. Not if you've got a mercy gift. If you've got a mercy gift, you are moved into action by compassion. And that was Jesus, moved by compassion. Jesus reached out and touched him. Jesus, that's crazy. You never touch a leper. It's like the 11th commandment, thou shalt not touch a leper. Jesus reached out and touched him. I am willing, he said, be healed. And instantly the leprosy disappeared and the man was healed. Now this is the power of the gift of mercy. It moves people by compassion into action. That word compassion, as you well know, is the Greek word splagchizomai. Okay, well you all say that. <laughs> Don't say it. But here's this, it's a crazy meaning. The meaning of this word compassion, I want to make sure I read it to get it right, is to have the bowels yearn. I mean, this is a deep thing. My point is this. Compassion is not some frivolous little... No, no. People who have the gift of mercy are deeply moved. Sometimes it is like a compassion. Sometimes it's a righteous anger. Sometimes it's a sense of injustice. Sometimes it's a sense of this is not right. But it moves you at a deep level enough to say, I've got to do something about it. And I believe some of the greatest breakthroughs, some of the greatest changes, I'm not talking about in the walls of the church building, I'm talking about into our city, into our society, are going to be people who have this gift of mercy, who say enough is enough, it's time to be moved by compassion and do something about it. I believe sometimes we see this mercy gift as a bit of a soft, weak kind of, oh, it's going to be all right. No, these are the people who can change society because something inside of them says enough it's enough. It's not right. We've got to do something. We need more powerful men and women who see this gift grow inside of them. Look at some examples in Jesus' life. Matthew chapter 9, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. He said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And he trained his disciples and he released his disciples and they learned to minister to people because sympathy was, and was not enough for Jesus. It was compassion that moved him into action. Matthew chapter 14, when Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and healed their sick. It wasn't enough for Jesus to look upon people suffering and say, oh, let me just do a general prayer, bless them. No, moved by compassion, it says he healed each one of them. In Matthew chapter 15, Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I have compassion for these people. They've already been with me three days and have nothing to eat. I do not want to send them away hungry or they may collapse on the way. So what does he do? His compassion moves him into action. He says, Father, this is not right. We've got to do something. And he fed 5,000 from a few bread loaves. I love this gift. The gift of mercy is compassion that moves people into action to do something. Remember that story about the, the Good Samaritan? And the, the priest walked past and, ooh, that looks terrible. I'll be praying while I'm walking. <laughs> And the Pharisee walked past and it's like, I'd love to get involved, but if I touched him, I'd become unclean. So bless you. The Samaritan was moved by compassion to get involved, to help, and to bring about change. Even uh, Kate sometimes jokes, because I think she scored a note on her compassion 
Oh no, mercy. No, it's not true. But, uh, and yet, let me tell you, when COVID lockdown came and there were people locked up in their houses, especially some of our older folk, and, and people sometimes, well, we'll drop a meal, but let, we'll leave it at the end of your driveway. Kate had about four or five remote controls in our car because she had the remote controls from all the granny's houses because she would go and open the gates and open their doors and take in the meals and check up on them and make sure they get their medication and buy their groceries and make sure they're doing all right. You see, it's one thing to be sympathetic from a distance. Hey, I'm sure the Lord will break through. It's another to have mercy, move your heart with compassion to action. Those are the people we need. Amen. So, Serving with a gift of mercy means being moved by compassion into action. And I'm so proud. We've got this incredible team working on the streets, cooking meals, handing out meals, praying for folk on the streets. You can be part of that every Sunday. It's a beautiful, beautiful team. We've got people working down into the, the ark shelter, the homeless shelter, doing an incredible job. Do you know there's, an, there's a connect group? Like we've got our small groups. You can join one at the ark shelter if you want. You don't have to sit in your beautiful lounge at home. You could go to the homeless shelter every Tuesday night and join a connect group there. We've got people who wanted to get into the prison. We really, we've got a, a ministry of training people in prison. Now we want to open more doors for more people to be able to get in and minister. We've got some folk. Where's old Kurt and Yolandia? There we go. People who've, who've come out of addiction past saying, no, 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 we've got to offer more support for people coming out of addictions. It's not enough to just pray for them, go for it. We want to be there through the mess and through the struggles and bring them out on the other side. It's an amazing, amazing gift. I, I had the privilege a couple of years ago when that Global Leadership Summit we were talking about, that uh, GLS, it comes from a church in Chicago, Willow Creek Church, and and they started this years ago, and, and I had the opportunity, probably, I don't know, five, six, seven years ago, to go across to Chicago, to go and experience and meet the leaders, and just because we were going to host it here as a church. And then as a little add-on, we got to have a look at, not just they've got a beautiful church facility, but more spectacular than the church facility was their care center. That built at multiple million dollars, a care center. Now we've got a community covered because we like to help the poor and hand out a food parcel. They built a grocery store, kind of like if you went to Engine or, or one of those, that kind of size, full of all different, just exactly the same. So instead of giving a food parcel, they could give kind of a voucher system so people could choose their own groceries. They had a kind of like a, a Mr. Price secondhand clothing store of beautiful clothes that they sold at ridiculously low prices for those who couldn't afford. Listen to this. They had a doctor's room, a dentist's room, and an optometrist room. Because they asked some of the professionals in the church, would you be prepared to give us a few hours every week as your service to God to come and offer your services to people in the church who can't afford it? They built a fully kitted garage mechanic car service department because they got a lot of single moms who couldn't afford. So not just did they fix cars, but up to that point, they'd given away 63 cars. They'd asked the church, if you're in a financial position where you don't have to sell your old car, but you'd be willing to donate it, we will fix it. We'll get our mechanics to get it ready so we can donate it to one of the single moms so that they've got transport. Let me tell you, to me, it was beautiful because that's the church. That's the church. That, that's not... A sympathy saying, oh, come on, let's just trust everything works out together for good. That's compassion moved into action to make a difference. 
I want to close just um, both of these gifts, gift of serving and the gift of mercy. There's a danger to these two gifts. I believe they're quite oil intensive. Let me tell you what I mean. Well, in Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 to 16, Jesus said, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house in the same way. Let your light shine before others so that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. The kind of light that he's talking about there is is they would use oil lamps filled with olive oil and, and so it would have a container of olive oil at the bottom and then they'd make a little white wick of white material and then re-dipped into the olive oil and as they lit it, that would burn brightly and give light to the room. Now, because it was drawing on the oil, that wick never burnt up. It just, it burnt brightly. It didn't actually smoke. It gave off a fragrance which was great. It didn't, it didn't smell, it didn't smoke. It just burnt brightly and gave light to the room. And that's what it was designed to do. Of course, if you forget your lamp and you forget to maintain your lamp, there will come a point when the oil runs dry. And when the oil runs dry, everything changes. You see, at that point, the wick is no longer burning oil. The wick is now burning itself. And when the wick begins to burn itself, it loses its whiteness and quickly turns black and begins to shrivel because it begins to burn. No longer is there a fragrance of olive oil. Now it begins to smell and begins to smoke and the light begins to dwindle. Exactly the same with these two gifts. The gift of serving and the gift of mercy are quite oil intensive. In other words, they're going to draw. The Bible says if you serve, serve with the strength that God gives. This gift of mercy means your heart is going to be gripped with the plight of others and the suffering of others. And if you're not drawing from the oil of the Holy Spirit inside of you, it can lose its fragrance, lose its brightness, and lose its longevity. And I want to say to all of us, especially you who have a gift of serving and mercy, keep your lamp full of oil. Sometimes we think... These are not such spiritual gifts. Surely the spiritual gifts are the prophecy and and teaching. Those are the, no, no, no. I think some of these are the most spiritual gifts because they're the most oil intensive. You need to keep your relationship with Jesus strong. You can't, it's easy to fall out of serving with the strength of Jesus and now you're serving with your own strength. And then after a while you get miffed because people abuse you in this church and no one's grateful and and all of that's happening because the oil's run dry and now you're burning up the flesh inside of you. Does that make sense? That's why, if this is one of your top three gifts, serving mercy, keep your oil tank full. Keep loving Jesus, serving Jesus. Do it because you love Jesus. Not because you're serving others, not because you're being merciful, to, because you love Jesus and want to represent Him well. Amen? Amen. Why do you stand with me, please? Apologize if at the back you can't see, but uh, why don't you close your eyes with me just for a moment. Father, we want to thank you once again for the grace gifts that you give us to serve you well. And Father, I pray for clarity, clarity. Friends, I want to remind you, if you haven't done one of those little gift assessments, please do it online. It's free. It'll take five minutes, but remember, clarity brings confidence. 
Father, I pray that you would help us identify the grace gifts in our lives so that we could use them to serve you well. Father, I want to pray specially for those with gifts of serving right now. I'm not going to call you out, but I want to pray specifically for you. If, if serving is one of your top three gifts, why don't you lift your hands very quickly? There should be a lot of you. Brilliant. Father, those hands that are raised right now, in Jesus' name, I pray. Your word says, serve with the strength that God gives. Father, I pray, come and fill their oil tanks right now. Holy Spirit, full to overflowing. Come, Holy Spirit. Come upon them, strengthen them. Let there be a joy and a passion to serving. Whatever their hands find to do, let them do it with all of their might as unto the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Those are the mercy gift. Why don't you put up your hands quickly. Father, I pray specifically for this gift. Father God, we want to see this gift changing our city, our region, our nation. Father, I pray that you would burden their hearts with your heart for those who are suffering, for the injustices, for those that righteous, that, that holy discontent inside of them. And Father, I pray that you would empower them and give them wisdom to know how to administer it well. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for the gifts you've placed upon us. And friends, I want to remind all of us just right now, these are gifts from the Lord. We serve the God who is the most generous being in the world. The greatest gift is not a gift to serve. It's his gift to you of salvation. And if you've never received, it says to all of those who receive him, receive Jesus, he gives the right to become a child of God. There has to be a receiving of Jesus before there's a becoming a true child of God. And if you've never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and as your Savior, then the Bible says today is the day of salvation. And we would love to pray with you. I'd love to chat with you, pray with you, connect you with one of our leaders. Father, I pray if there's anyone like that right now, you would give them the grace to open their hearts and say, Jesus, I surrender. Jesus, I surrender to you. Jesus, I choose you as my Lord and Savior. Come and forgive me of my sin. Wash away my past and help me to follow after you. And Father God, I thank you for your gracious hand that rests upon each one of us. Thank you, Lord God, that your mighty hand is at work in us and through us. We give you the glory and honor and praise in Jesus' name. And God's people say, Amen. Amen. May the Lord bless you.